Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 139, The Vilest Men Are Exalted. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell, and this is the show that talks about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. My co-host John is not with me today because of scheduling issues that we had and the timing of getting these episodes out. But don't worry, John will be back with us next week for more exciting episodes. And so we thank you for tuning in today. And I want to thank uh, our seekers, which are premium podcast subscribers, for this episode. It's brought to you today by Adam K., Chris S., Joshua N., Karen M., and David B. Thank you all for subscribing. They subscribed in January of this year. We're trying our best to catch up and uh, acknowledge all of you that are helping to support this podcast. And if you are interested in becoming a premium subscriber, just go to BibleMysteriesPodcast.com and take advantage of all of our bonus content. And by the way, those of you that do subscribe, we notice that sometimes you don't uh, connect to all the bonus content that you have available to you. Uh, Make sure that you're reading the email that you get from Supercast. It shows you how to connect to your premium feed. Just remember, the podcast is not the video. The video is a special little extra that we do. Um, The podcast is an audio program available through your podcast app, whether it's Spotify or Google or Apple. It doesn't matter. Uh, So make sure you connect to that. If you miss that email, look in your junk or spam folder. If you still can't find it, write to us and we can have them send it to you again. And also keep in mind that at the BibleMysteriesPodcast.com website, all of our members area content, the newsletter, the downloadable PDF show notes, the members forum where you can interact and talk with us, uh, our monthly little video short just for you on the patio, uh, the articles that I write, the questions that we answer, all of that is available to you. Make sure you're joining the members area at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. You create an account there. We recommend you use the same email you used to sign up at Supercast. And that way you will know who you are. We'll give you, uh, grant you access. And we want you to make sure you take advantage of all the great content. <clears throat> if you're hearing ads on the podcast, that means you've not connected. You're, at, you're a premium subscription or ad-free. So don't forget to follow through on all that. Well, enough housekeeping. We're going to dive right in, and I'm going to do my best to try to present a good show to you today, even without John, who's my uh, dear friend and brother in Christ, but um, he'll be back next week. Um, Today's episode is called The Vilest Men Are Exalted, and we're basically going to let the satanic global elite have it this, uh, this episode. Um, I'm not concerned about the repercussions that may come from this because I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
So we're just going to let the chips fall where they may. But we've reached the point in this country, in the world also, where we believe the satanic global elites no longer hide in the shadows. World leaders, as far as I'm concerned, are under satanic control. Many of them are placed in power by entities like the World Economic Forum, you know, the Bilderbergers, the Club of 300 or whatever they are. Uh, we know they've been in the shadows in the past, but now they're coming out. And that's how I believe we can know we're in the last days. Whether these individuals or political leaders are motivated by money or ideology, or they literally are part of this occult satanic cabal and they worship the, the devil, it doesn't matter. The end result is the same. They're making a push in these end times to bring about the kingdom of the Antichrist, willingly and knowingly in some cases, and in others they're just the uh, they're, they're pawns. Uh, in many cases they might be willing pawns. So this is why I believe we are seeing the vilest of men and women placed in positions of authority. They know they have little time left. Now, where am I getting that from? Well, as always, we're going to turn to the scriptures because I don't have the luxury or the resources to go out and, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, do documentary films or travel and on site and interview people. And there's a lot of great uh, producers of content that are doing that right now. They're friends, they're brothers to me, sisters in Christ. And I thank God for their ministry. So, I recommend you check out all of this bit of information that's being put out there by uh, great content providers. My focus and my aim is always going to be, can we tie this into the scriptures? That's my area of expertise. And until the Lord opens a door for me to travel and do those kind of things, we're going to stick to what we know. <laughs> Go with what you know, right? So uh, Revelation chapter 12, notice verse 7. We've talked about this many times before, but we're going to focus on a different aspect of this coming angelic war. Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, which is Satan, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not this war between God's angels, Michael the archangel, and Satan the dragon and his angels. The, the dragon and his angels are going to lose. They will prevail not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the end, uh, to the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Now this is the focus I want to put in this context. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. When I state that the satanic global elites know they have little time left, I base, base this on the Bible showing the connection between the time of judgment and what the fallen entities know about. 
The dragon, Satan, may believe he can defeat the Lord Jesus Christ in the coming battle, but his arrogance will be put in check when he's cast down to the earth. And at that moment, he'll know that he has a little time left. So I believe that the individuals being involved in this know they have little time left. They are joining in, in the satanic global elites are, are in league with Satan. In many cases, they worship him. But they're also aware, if they worship him, that there is a God that they are fighting against, the God of heaven, and they know that he is coming with great wrath. And so they're trying their best to see if they can pull together whatever their agenda is to defeat him. And they're arrogant too, just like their father, the devil. Another passage we can go to to help us understand the timing of things is we can actually see in the scriptures where these satanic entities, in this case demons, are aware of this coming wrath and judgment of their, of their deeds. And we find that in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country, and we're talking about Jesus, there met him two possessed with devils, the country of the Gergesenes. And the two possessed with devils were coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Notice they're among the tombs. They're obsessed with death, which the satanic global elites and our world leaders are obsessed with death, the death of you. They don't care about you. Uh, the big lie is that government cares about you and they pass laws because they want to help you. That's a lie. It has always been a lie. They are interested in getting rid of you because you're in the way. You're cattle to them and they don't care. What they want is what their um, greed and their lust is promoting, which is more power <clears throat> and ultimately bringing to pass this kingdom of the Antichrist. But they came out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out when they saw Jesus. They cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? They know who he is. The satanic global elites know who Jesus Christ is. They're, they're lying if you don't think they know he's Lord of heaven and earth. Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? So even the unclean spirits or devils who possess men are aware of a day of judgment when they will be cast into the lake of fire. They know this. Therefore, whether the human proxies they possess are completely aware of this time or not, the entities that these leaders are possessed or controlled by do know, and they tremble. And these entities are the ones manipulating the vilest of men. They willingly have allowed them to control or possess them, giving their allegiance to the dragon. Now, the vilest of men are exalted. Where does that come from? Well, it's a passage from the Psalms. So we're going to go to Psalm 12. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. And even though David wrote this thousands of years ago, you could almost see the believer today writing this plea to God. Verse 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The double heart is another way of saying two-faced. You know, they tell you one thing and they're lying, hypocrites. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips 
and the tongue that speaketh proud things. I mean, we're talking politicians here, globally, who've said, with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? The arrogance of these to think that God's not going to strike down a George Soros or a Bill Gates. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I rise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The Lord is coming. He's going to come to deliver the godly. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And here he inserts this thought about the perfectly preserved word of God, which we have right here in our Bible. And he's saying, I said I'm going to destroy the wicked, and my words you can count on. You've got it. You can rely on it. And then getting back to the context, he says in the final verse 8, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. And that's exactly the scenario we have today in the world. You know why all, there's all this chaos and confusion and craziness and people are doing just absurd things. Leaders are making absurd statements, passing ridiculous laws. We see injustice in our justice department. We see liars and thieves and corruption in our supposed uh, halls of investigation and whatever. All of that is because we've exalted vile men into positions of power and therefore wicked walk on every side. And they're not punished. And you're going to see that get worse and worse. It's going to proliferate. So our focal passage then is in Psalm 12. The context of the passage, godly men are gone, the faithful have failed, and the wicked proliferate all around with the hubris of thinking, who is Lord over us? And why did it come to this? Because the vilest men are exalted into these positions of power and prestige and leadership, like I said. They have promoted this ungodliness, and they will continue to do so. It's by design, and it's on purpose. It's intentional. Now, we'll find out why in just a moment. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul's epistle to Timothy, his second one, chapter 3. And notice with me in verse 1. Paul writes, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous means danger or dangerous. The world's always been a dangerous place, but this means it's worse than it's ever been. He's talking about the time of great trouble. And it's not like it's going to suddenly explode into a time of great trouble. It's been leading up to this. It's been building. The frog has slowly been boiled. So... In the last days, he said, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. We're seeing all of this playing out today. It's just the beginning of it. Traitors. Our country is filled with traitors in power. Heady, arrogant, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, 
And notice this, having a form of godliness, they claim they're the right. They believe in what they're doing is correct. And you're bad for believing in Christ, for being a Christian, for wanting God's will to be upheld and the natural laws that he placed in power. They have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They're not admitting to you that the power behind them is satanic. And he says, from such turn away. We're not turning away from these individuals. We keep voting for people and putting them in positions of power. And these positions of power are being, even if the person that you send in you think has is, is got the right idea and has good intentions. Folks, Washington, D.C. is a is designed to concentrate demonic power. It's essentially a lightning rod for the culmination of evil. <clears throat> Your good Christian friend that you elect is not going to be able to withstand against all that. We should not be uh, having fellowship with them. We need to rebuke them. And he says, from such turn away. So we already know based on Paul's epistles that this time would come where danger will be everywhere due to men's hearts. But look what he says as you go further in verse 12. Same chapter, 2 Timothy 3. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's coming. Our own idiotic leader in this nation has already declared Christianity and white supremacy and all this kind of stuff as the greatest threat to this nation. He's the greatest threat to this nation. Uh, he, he is, even though he's demented, he's still demonically controlled. But verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's how they got into positions of power. I, mean, I realize they lied and cheated and stole elections. I understand all that. But we allowed that to happen, folks. We get busy. We turn a blind eye. And it doesn't matter. There, it's not a point of blaming who's to fault here because we know the Scriptures said it's going to happen. I believe it's happening now. In spite of 2,000 years of the gospel being preached on this earth, Paul prophesied that men would grow worse and worse in their hearts and minds. The gospel saved some, but it did not change the world. We're not here to change the world. We're not here to advance the kingdom of God on this earth while some Christian religions seem to teach. We're here to get people saved and to leave this world because the wrath of God is about to fall on it, and we're delivered from the wrath to come. Now, go with me to chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. And we're going to look at one more prophetic passage about these days. There's many, but we're just going to look at this. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, very clearly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, with a hot iron, and it goes on to say many other things. I'm interested in that phrase, doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. And Paul explains why this would happen, and we see it being fulfilled today. Seducing spirits and devils 
have convinced the minds of the satanic global elites that rule us that they can be gods and their policies and agendas are implemented to distract, deceive, and delude the rest of humanity. You know why we're polarized with right against left or this race against that or whatever? And by the way, I don't believe in races. Uh, that's a lie of Satan. There's one race, the human race. We're all the same blood and it's all red. Uh, we're pitted against each other by these evil men, uh, the vilest of men, because they want to distract us and get us preoccupied with fighting one another while they do their evil deeds. And this is exactly what's been going on. It's just worse now. But this has been the MO. This has been the modus operandi of Satan from the beginning. We've mentioned this passage many times, but I believe it is a key to understanding what's going on in the Word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, and that literally means the preacher. And he's preaching truth that anybody in the world can benefit from, whether you're saved or lost. This is true. And in chapter 1, verse 9, we read, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. And that last statement is a great thought because we're not even going to remember the wickedness and the things that took place here when the Lord creates a new heaven and a new earth. But the passage begs the question, if there's nothing new, aren't we advancing technology? Aren't we a, a gaining amazing uh, strides forward in technology and medicine and computers and whatever and weapons? Well, yes, we are, but it's been done before. You have no idea the advancement of civilization, uh, civilization prior to the flood of Noah. What was destroyed back then was lost for all time. And evidently, they had some incredibly advanced technology to be able to build pyramids and uh, these uh, monolithic structures and whatever uh, that we see all over the world. They lie to you. Archaeologists lie to you about the timing of them. And then after the flood, the, the Tower of Babel, God said nothing would be restrained from them whatsoever they have imagined to do. We just keep repeating history. It's just another time where, and whenever man gets advanced like this, through interaction with the fallen entities, with the gods, uh, who promised them something in return for this technology, uh, God intervenes. He intervened in the flood. He intervened in the confusing and separating of nations in Genesis 11. And he's about to intervene again finally, with this last uh, pouring out of his wrath. So as we've shown before, there's nothing new about this exaltation of the vilest men. Vile men were exalted in both of those instances in the past when men began to advance exponentially. What we are witnessing today is nothing short of a return to Babel, like Genesis 11, uniting the world under a single language, which is artificial intelligence and technology. Soon, nothing will be restrained from the wicked whatsoever they've imagined, which is why God has to come back and intervene. 
They think they're doing it for the advancement and glory of men. They're going to become gods and live forever through technology. And we're about to do, John and I will be releasing an episode on AI and genetic manipulation this month of June, very shortly. Well, coming up month, this is like, this is going to be, uh, this is May the 29th, so uh, Memorial Day. So the next episode will be the first episode in June, and then somewhere near the end of June will be this AI episode. So go with me to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, and we can see here some truth that has played out in the past again and is playing out now. We'll start reading in verse 14, Isaiah 5, 14. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it and the mean man shall be brought down and the mighty man shall be humbled and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. And we thank God for that. That's what's coming. Uh, if you vile satanic global elite are listening to this, and I'm sure they're paying attention to everything that's being said because they're watching all that we do. They, they need to know who their enemies are, who needs to be eliminated, who needs to be exterminated. So they hear this. I know you're listening. And if there's anything in you that's still human that we can reach, you need to understand this day is coming. There still might be a chance for you to repent and turn back to the Lord and accept Christ as your Savior. And my prayer is that you would. But if you can't see that you're a part of something satanic and demonic and you refuse to turn from it, you deserve every bit of the wrath that's about to be poured upon you for the crimes and the wickedness that you have done and will continue to do. Verse 16, But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. That's what's happening, whether you believe it or not. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. Woe unto you, satanic elites. You are the vilest of men. We know who you are. God knows who you are. Verse 19, that say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. You hear your arrogance? You know there's a God in heaven. You know he's the creator. But you reject and deny him from your own pride. Verse 20, he says unto you, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, and that's exactly what you've been doing. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. You're so proud and arrogant you can't see. You're just like your father the devil who was corrupted by his own brightness. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to, to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward, which is bribes and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. We know that's what you're doing with all the setups of these false trials and false accusations that's going on, not only in this country, but all over the world. <clears throat> Verse 24, Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they've cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. 
We see it every day in what you release in this promotion of things that are anti-God. They've cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And that's Jesus Christ. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them. The context here is Israel because they were doing the exact same things thousands of years ago in Israel that's happening in this country right now. By the way, it's happening in Israel too. Don't think their leaders are good. There's nothing good about the leaders of Israel any more than there's anything good about the leaders of America, France, Germany, the UK, which is probably one of the worst, Russia, China, it doesn't matter. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them, and hath smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. He may have destroyed the leaders of Israel back in that time, but his hand is stretched out still. He's ready, getting ready, to destroy you, vile men. Your turn is coming. So just as Isaiah wrote warnings against those who call good evil and evil good, we as believers are called to stand against the powers of darkness, regardless of the risk. In almost every example in Scripture, we can see of those who stood in opposition to Satan's agenda, agenda, they suffered for their stand. Don't get me wrong. We, me encouraging us to stand against it is not saying because you're never going to be hurt by them. Though they have every intention of hurting us. And they have planned to do it whether you stand against them or not. So you might as well stand. But Paul also told us that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. We've just gotten lazy and complacent as believers. I mean, I'm guilty of it. This is the Laodicean age, and we'd rather be comfortable than actually stand. And I don't mean, I don't mean political action when I say stand. That's not going to suck. You can't vote out demons. I'm talking about this action, preaching and proclaiming this truth and calling out wickedness where it is, for what it is. Notice Isaiah 24. Verse 19, the earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. This lie about climate change is to fear, get you to fear so that you'll vote for more government solutions. If there's any truth to climate change, I guarantee you it's being done by the vilest of men, not by you and I. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. Not by carbon. You just It's all lies. All of it is lies. If they can manipulate the weather, and I don't doubt that they can, they're doing it to cause you to uh, embrace their policies. But this is something else. We talk about you know trying to protect the climate. God is getting ready to burn this planet up because of you vile men. Verse 20, the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, 
and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day, in connection to the earth, reeling like a drunkard. I, literally, the poles are going to shift. It's going to turn upside down, according to verse 1 of this chapter. But he says, verse 21, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host or army of the high ones that are on high. And he's referring to the satanic angels in that battle of Revelation 12. And the kings of the earth upon the earth. That's you, vile leaders, satanic global elite. You're getting ready to be punished. And they... Both these fallen angels and, and the satanic entities and the human proxies, they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prisons. And after many days shall they be visited. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. And the Lord of hosts is Jesus Christ, and he's coming back to reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. You'll be in that pit for a thousand years. They that might destroy the body, if we stand against them, these vile men cannot destroy the soul or have any impact on your inheritance. In fact, the Lord is returning to place these evil devils, both human and angelic, into prison to wait judgment. And I say to all globalist leaders who stand in defiance against God that the Lord is going to put you in the bottom of hell and you will end up burning forever in a lake of fire if you do not repent. You, you think hell's bad. That's just the beginning. That's your prison for a thousand years. You will fry like a ball of sausage forever in the lake of fire if you continue to worship the dragon and take his mark. And I know it's intent on your heart to do so. This is your last chance. You don't have much time left. Go back with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. They probably laugh and scoff at us for saying these kind of things. But I guarantee you, it terrifies them because they know it's true. Deep in their hearts, they have no hope. And they're just praying somehow to their God that Satan can prevail. What a joke. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 20. I'm well aware of this passage. Some of you might know this. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. I mean, if that was true back when Solomon wrote this thousands of years ago, it's even more so true today. It may have been true that men should not curse those in power for fear of repercussion, but we are not cursing these vile men. We're exposing their deeds to the light of truth, and we're warning others not to be caught in their deception. So we're now going to look at the courageous examples of those who stood against the authorities of this world for the Lord's sake, regardless of the circumstances, which is why we should not fear them. 
And I'm not encouraging you to run out and do something to get arrested and so you can't support your family. We need to do this in a godly way. But I'm just telling you, the day is coming when we're going to have to stand up. And that time is now. So let's look at those who stood up. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is an example that everybody really knows. David and Goliath. Chapter 17, we'll start reading in verse 32. You kind of know the story, so I'm going to jump to the chase. Verse 31, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. So in other words, David said, I'll go fight him because the armies of Israel were afraid to fight this giant. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And that's the Goliath was the champion of the Philistines. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept thy father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And notice, David's is standing up because he's defending God and the armies of the living God, which in this case was Israel. Verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord shall... The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So David stood up against this hybrid giant named Goliath, and he defeated him by God's might. He stood up for the Lord's people, Israel, because the giant dared defy them. David knew the Lord gave him authority of this evil hybrid, and he is not the only one. There's other examples that stood up. Go with me to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 is the King Nebuchadnezzar, king of all the earth at the time. And he made an image of himself, just like the elites do. By the way, imagery, that is their downfall. They are constantly letting you know through signs and symbolism what they're doing. So Daniel the prophet carried captive from Israel into Babylon has three friends. <clears throat> they live here in this time of captivity and Nebuchadnezzar makes this image and they refuse to bow down. He said, when you hear the music, you have to bow down and worship it. And they refused. It was the law. He was the king. But they didn't whisper in their hearts. They openly defied this law. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are the friends. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image? which I have set up. Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I've made well. But 
if you worship not, then shall be you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar is the very picture of the satanic global elites of this world today. In fact, he's a picture of the Antichrist, which they serve. <clears throat> Look at the answer of Daniel's friends. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we're not afraid to, to face you. If it be so, if you do throw us in the fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, and that's like they're saying, even if he doesn't, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That's incredible courage, folks. Daniel's friends refused to bow down to the image the king set up willing to risk death for what is right. Defiance against satanic men is always the right thing to do when it is for Christ's sake, not political ends. Don't confuse political opposition with godly opposition. This is not a political battle. It is a spiritual battle. And we need to be prayed and armed with the armor of God every day to fight this spiritual battle. I neglected the truth of that for many years, not understanding how important this battle was. I see it now. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. We see another example. <clears throat> not an example of defiance against government or wrong, but an example of power over them. Notice with me in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And there were 70 men that Jesus sent forth with power over devils. And the 70 returned again, verse 17, with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, he's not saying you won't be persecuted. He's just saying that these 70 would not be hurt, notwithstanding, verse 20. In this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now the 70 who were sent by the Lord were given power over the devils, which are demons or unclean spirits. Because these demons were once Nephilim giants, from what we can tell, they were part angel and part human. While angels are higher than men in rank and power, with men we're on equal footing, regardless of the arrogance and, and weaponry and wealth that they may wield over us. So I'm aware that the 70 were sent with a in a specific time with a specific purpose to Israel by the Lord, but it doesn't change the fact that the devils were subject to them. We have power over them because of their human half. Since they're hybrids, we can rebuke them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we were given power to do so. 
Now, again, does that mean that if we stand up against the satanic global elites, we'll never be injured or, or cast in prison? No, because John was. But he still stood up and he defied the law, the power, the king. We find that story in Matthew chapter 14. He was willing to do what was right, even though it resulted in him being beheaded. That's the real choice we're making here. Are we willing to stand for the truth, even if it means losing our lives for the cause of Christ? Matthew 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. And therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. Well, John stood up to Herod the king or to Philip, his brother, and said, it's not lawful for you to have Herodias to wife. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude. See, even the king Herod feared to put John to death because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was come, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. See, the satanic global elites are not smart. They do stupid things. I mean, you can see that in the, in the intellect of the leaders that run this world right now. They're some of the stupidest human beings on the planet. They are the, they're the bottom of their class in these colleges they graduated from. The, the reason they're in public service is because they can't compete in the private market. They're just idiotic. But don't let that fool you. Satan uses these willing idiots for his purpose and agenda. And that's what Herod did. He made a mistake here. He did something stupid to promise this daughter who danced before him that he would give her anything she asked. So the conniving Herodias, her mother, knew what to put upon him. Verse 8, and she being before instructed by of her mother said, give me here John the Baptist's head and a charger. And the king was sorry Nevertheless, for the oath's sake and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. Always entangle themselves in their web of lies and deceit. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So while John was thrown in prison for rebuking a satanic leader and then killed, he was still right to call Philip out, which angered Herod. We must remember that though these leaders may be demon-possessed or even possibly a hybrid, the human part of them we've been given power over. Hence the reason we can rebuke demons in the name of Jesus Christ. We must have the courage to rebuke wicked men though they may have the power to destroy us. And that's exactly what we're doing with this podcast. Go with me to John chapter 19. Jesus himself, of course, I realize he's God, of creator of heaven and earth. But here he is as a man standing in a trial on false accusations before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And he was wrongfully beaten and, and tortured and everything else. 
But look in verse 5 of John 19. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, which they were using to mock him. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. They brought Jesus forth after the beating and the, and the abuse, and they mocked him. They bring him before the, the crowd of Israelites and the Pharisees leading them, who were satanic. And Pontius says, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Again, he was being honest about it, but he was weak-willed. He was spineless. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. He wasn't sent to speak to Rome. He was sent to speak to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. <clears throat> Jesus, of course, reminded Pontius Pilate that the only power he wielded was due to the fact that it was given to him from something higher in power. Now he may have been referring to God the Father who allows all the power that fallen angels or fallen men would deign to have over us for his specific purpose. Or Jesus may have been referring to Satan himself being the one the one exercising power over Jesus through Pilate. We know Satan has power, and we know that power was delivered unto him, I believe, from men and from the leaders of men. Go with me to Luke chapter 4 to see that. <clears throat> Many people read this and think that this power was delivered to the devil by God the Father. And it's true that God created him and made him the sum of wisdom and perfect in beauty. But he didn't give Satan dominion of the earth. He gave man dominion of the earth. So watch what happens in Luke chapter 4. The context, the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Verse 5, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Well, that's the kingdoms that are on this dominion of man. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus doesn't deny this is true. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So he certainly rebuked the devil or re, you know, rejected the offer, but the offer was legitimate. As I often try to demonstrate, Luke 4 shows the real truth behind the power in the nations today. The devil laid claim to all power on earthly government because it had been delivered unto him. I personally do not believe the kingdoms were given to him by God because Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The earth hath he given to the children of men. Only man can give away his own birthright 
as Timothy Alberino points out in his book, Birthright. And just like um, Esau, man gave the serpent that power through the worship of him. Esau gave away the birthright. Man gives away the birthright to the dragon. We've already explained that the Roman Empire control, controlled the world at the time of Christ, and they do so now in mystery form. When the Roman Empire controlled the world, Caesar became a god, and they worshipped Jupiter, which is just another moniker for the dragon. Go back with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel says a lot about these final days and the kingdom, the fourth beast, the kingdom of the Antichrist that's going to be destroyed. In chapter 7, verse 23, thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. I believe the, the mystery Roman empires in power today, right now, currently headed by the United States and the U.K., it's essentially NATO. Uh, they're not expanding democracy in the world. It's an empire, folks. And they're fighting every nation that dares defy it. That's why these wars are happening. We're in the beginning of sorrows. Anyway, um, back to verse 24. And the ten horns... Out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. I suspect these ten kings haven't quite arisen yet, though they're probably alive. And they don't necessarily have to be kings of nations. They could very well be corporate oligarchs or technology billionaires or World Economic Forum demons. But the Antichrist will come from among them, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. They're doing that now. The very laws of nature to deny what a man or a woman can be defined as? It's ridiculous. They know it's not true. They're just trying to convince you of it. And, and they, they have convinced thousands who have, uh, I don't even want to get into the mutilation of children. Uh, they, they particularly despise human children. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times, three and a half years. But the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. As we shall see in an upcoming episode, it's very possible that artificial intelligence will be the primary power behind the coming strong delusion. It's going to likely be incorporated by the current repulsive collection of the vilest men to wreak havoc on the earth. They believe that if they create chaos everywhere, then they can step up, these ten kings, to bring order out of the chaos it's been their motto for hundreds of years. I think it's ordo ab chao or something like that in Latin. From chaos order. And from those ten kings will arise the vilest of them all, the man of sin. Look with me in chapter 11 of Daniel. Daniel 11 verse 21. 
and in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. I don't know who this Antichrist is going to be. I know there's a man alive right now that he could fit the bill. And he is an Israelite, and he's a tech person. Um, he's speaking everywhere. He's a vile person. He's talking about man becoming a god, and he could be the false prophet for all I know, or maybe AI is the false prophet. Something to think about. We'll talk about that later in that episode. But um, I'm not going to say the name of the person right now. But um, if you heard the things he's saying, if he's not in, well, he's definitely in league with Satan. But um, I don't know. Um, it's just wickedness. Uh, so this vile person, well, the vilest men are being exalted right now, and wicked men walk on every side. But the vilest one is about to appear and he will defy God to his face. If this man I'm thinking of isn't that person, he's a type of him, and he's setting the stage for his arrival. Look with me in Revelation 17, verse 12. Revelation 17, 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings, one hour with the beast. So that tells me they might not be literal kings like King George. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast, which is the vile person. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. They think they can, they're literally going to war with the God of heaven. Do you realize that? That's how vile this person is. And that's how vile all these wicked leaders are today. So 10 vile kings who may be exalted by other titles will control the world system soon, probably through technology. And they will give their power to the man of sin or the antichrist, the vile person of Daniel 11 and this man here. But never fear, within 42 months of his arrival, the dragon will be cast down to the earth, knowing he has three and a half years remaining before he's bound with a chain and cast into a pit. Because guess what's coming? The Lord himself, the Lamb. Look in verse 19, chapter 19 of Revelation. Verse 19, and I'm going to skip the part for time's sake of Jesus' triumphant return, which starts in verse 11. But we're going to come to the conclusion of the matter in verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. That's why he's called the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and then that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant of the armies of the earth 
were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. You elites, the birds are going to pick your bones after Jesus Christ destroys you with the brightness of his coming. The current crop of vile men that are running our nations behind the scenes and visibly now are about to have a very rude awakening. In their stupidity and arrogance, they will gather to fight against the Lord from heaven, but their folly will proceed no further than this valley of decision. And the one they worship, the dragon himself, I want you vile men to see the end of your God right here in chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. God even has an angel that's more powerful than your dragon. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And while you elites are burning in the pit of hell, you'll see your God chained, brought down to the lowest in the bottomless pit. And you'll see it for a thousand years. They'll be destroyed instantly <clears throat> by the Lord Jesus Christ in this battle, these elites. And they'll be there to witness the glorious victory in Christ. And then the serpent himself is going to be bound with a chain and cast into the abyss for a thousand years. And from the prison of hell, these vile persons are awaiting their final fate, which is going to be the last judgment, the time of torment that the devils were afraid of when they encountered Jesus. And we read it in verse 11. At the end of the thousand years, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on him, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no more place for them. And this is the Lord himself. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, <clears throat> and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The beast and the false prophet don't get the luxury of waiting in hell for a thousand years. They're cast alive into the lake of fire, which is going to be formed, in my opinion, at this final battle there in Jerusalem when the Lord comes back. They're going to be cast alive to roast forever in this lake of fire. And I believe the vilest men today will watch their burning in horror for a thousand years as they await their judgment, this judgment, knowing they too are going to fry for all eternity. Don't fear the vilest men. The Lord gets the last laugh. And we have the honor of participating in their judgment. And though they may persecute us and kill us, and the Bible says they will, they'll get their justice. The vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And he is coming back to repay. 
The time is short. The day is at hand. I hope you're ready. I hope you'll trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening today. We appreciate you tuning in to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I hope something that we said today will open your eyes. I pray that maybe something we said today will cause one of these vile men to repent and realize they need a Savior and free themselves from the snare of the devil. But if not, you've been warned. You now know what fate awaits you. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com.